Post-traumatic slave syndrome is an explanatory theory that really looks at multi-generational trauma. One of the things that's difficult for people is their first response is, oh my God, that happened so long ago. We're talking about people being captured, shipped, sold, beaten, raped, experimented on, and then you have to ask the question, did the trauma continue? Yes, so 300 years of trauma, no help, freed. No help, more trauma. If it's a sustained trauma, then the, the impact of that is also sustained. To heal, to heal a people. The progress is healing the wound that the blow, that the blow made. Coming, coming to you loud and clear. Like the brain doesn't want attention. To heal a people. Conversations and interviews with experts from around the world about our four rings of healing. Four rings of healing. Four rings of healing. The healing people. The voice you heard at the beginning of the show belongs to esteemed educator Dr. Joy Degree. As she is articulating her social theory, now popularly known as post traumatic slave syndrome. We're going to take a deep dive on her theory, discuss its relevance to our everyday lived experience, and what jewels it holds within it in order to heal a people. So thank you for joining us. So let's get ready and let's get into it. Today, we excitedly welcome you into this inaugural podcast to heal a people. My name is H. Soul Ashimu, affectionately known as H. Soul Guru, and I'm your host on this healing journey. In the Akan tradition of West Africa, there's a concept that is known as Sankofa, which loosely translates to go back and fetch it and bring it forward. And the whole thought behind that is that, that we need to go back into our past to reclaim those pieces of wisdom and knowledge that really could benefit us in the present. And those are the things that we have to go back and to fetch and to bring forward. And we felt like there was no better person in order to help us to go back and fetch it, to engage in Sankofa, than our dear sister, Dr. Joy. Dr. Joy does one of the most wonderful jobs that I've ever seen engaging in this conversation around the impact of our past and 
looking at that impact in order to assess what's currently taking place in the present. So for the most part of this show, while we will be engaging in healing conversations and ideas and practices, we do think that it's very important that in starting off, that we really begin by going back and doing Sankofa so that we understand where we came from, why we need healing, what type of healing we, we, we need based upon us that we've had. And so with that note, without further ado, let us tap into Dr. Joy as she breaks down post-traumatic slave syndrome. You're tuned in to Heal of People. Let's get to work. When we look at multi-generational trauma, we're looking at people who are maybe victims of natural disasters and their families and their children and generations of folks who have experienced war. Uh, and we know that there are residual uh, mental, emotional, traumatic impact. And what I did was I started to look at the African-American experience, starting with slavery, as a real clear, long, enduring trauma. So I started to see that there were clear connections between that survival behavior and contemporary living in African-American experience. I started to see common behaviors that I took for granted as, well, cultural. There's adaptive behaviors, survival behaviors. Well, what are they? Let's just say 2019, you have a black mother and a white mother. The sons go to school together. They find themselves at a meeting. The black mother leans over to the white mother and says, I just wanted to mention to you that I noticed that your son is really doing quite well. And the white mother's response is, oh, thank you. She begins to go on and on about, he won the science fair, his uncle's an astronaut. She's just oozing. She realizes the black mother's son is actually excelling her son. And she says, well, wait a minute. Your son's the one that's really coming along. And the black mother responds, oh my God, he's a handful, but oh, he just works my nerves. Now, when I'm working with African-American people, it doesn't matter what the audience is. It doesn't matter what class. If I were to ask, is she very proud while she's saying those denigrating things? And everybody laughs and goes, of course, there's a secret. Because everybody black knows that even though the black mother is going, oh my God, she's really proud. So now let's roll that scene back 300 years. And let's say this black mother is working in the fields and a white slave owner comes through and says, wow, that boy is really coming along. What is she gonna say? No, he's not, he's, he's stupid, he's, he's shiftless, he can't work, because I don't want you to sell him. So I denigrate them to protect them. That is called appropriate adaptation when living in a hostile environment. The little white boy, say Timmy, you know, he feels really comfortable and happy about what his mom just said about him. And Trey looks at his mom and wonders, why can't you be proud of me? Because he doesn't understand the secret yet. And by the time he learns the secret, he will have already been injured by it. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. PTSD um, is a disorder that occurs as a result of a single trauma. You don't even have to be there to actually get a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. You could just hear about something horrific happening to someone you love. So you have people who have experienced it firsthand, people who have witnessed it in their environment, right? People who are continuing to be oppressed. That exacerbates any possibility of healing. So it's not post-traumatic stress disorder because then it becomes part of uh, what we call your socialization process. So you begin to normalize a way of living and being. Everything from what we eat to what we believe it means to be a friend. You know, all of these things are colored by history. 
And if you don't understand it, you're going to fold in things that you've just assumed are normal. But post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, exaggerated startle response, outbursts of anger, uh, feeling a foreshortened future. There was a point where there were you know, African-American children in different urban settings that didn't expect to live to be adults because they saw so much death that they started planning their funerals like at 13, 12, as young as 10. When you start looking at the, the simple biology, you start looking at the, the impact of stress on health. And while we look at general stress, you know, we know finances, you have illnesses, all these different things. How about being black? How does factoring in being black in America impact your stress level and therefore your body's ability to operate its own immune system? Because we know it compromises the immune system. Once you understand it, then you can deal with it. Because you see, it's habitual. You socialize. It becomes part of your being. So one of the ways you begin to address that multi-generational trauma is to work with the people it directly impacts, to hear from them. And when you give the people the information, they can use it. I think the first order of business is beginning to have a conversation. And the other is to educate the larger society. You have to stop the assault. So this is not purely a clinical thing. This requires social justice and change. That's where part of the healing is. It's not in a clinical setting or in a pill. It's in fairness and justice and safety and equity. We got to work with some of those clinical things, some of those issues of panic and anxiety. And we also have to deal with the fact that you have a system that is set up to oppress you and to continue to injure you. Both those things have to be dealt with. And they cannot singularly by themselves affect a change. They have to be done collectively. Now it's time to break that shit down. We just listened to Dr. Joy break down post-traumatic slave syndrome, right? And in order to help me break this down uh, for us and what it is that we're talking about, I have invited on um, who, someone who's going to be a regular guest uh, on this podcast, and I'm super excited about, uh, not only because she is a community healer and someone that is very well-respected uh, in the community around her own uh, mental health uh, perspectives and, and, and practices, but also uh, she's my mom, uh, affectionately known in the community as Mama Ja. And so I've asked her and invited her to, to come on to, to Heal a People podcast to help us break this piece down. Mama Ja, what are your initial thoughts about uh, that, that piece when, when you listen to it? You know, when I listened to it, I immediately uh, was taken back to the 40s, you know, because I saw this impact uh, with my original family. And I say original family because uh, I was adopted ultimately. 
But in my original family, there was so much what I uh, saw as dysfunction, not only drugs and alcohol, but, you know, uh, turning on each other and just a lifestyle that showed uh, and demonstrated all of the pain, you know, that was embodied in my family. And unbeknownst to me at the time, of course, as a child, that was affecting me. You know, how I performed in school, how I, you know, performed with the family. Uh, I had a box in the backyard uh, and it was like there there were three things I really had to cope with, you know, uh, all the maladaptive behavior that I witnessed uh, that was definitely a, a result of what we're talking about today. And one was a box and one was a balloon and one was um, uh, a barn. So I felt so unsafe because I did not see the protection that I needed based on what I was observing because they were fighting uh, with each other. And if I can just be so, you know, blatant, you know, my grandmother uh, murdered my mother. So uh, experiencing that, I had to go somewhere. So I went inside. But in order to go inside as a child, I had an external manifestation of that in a box in the backyard. And I would often you know, retreat to the box or to the barn in the loft and just be there you know, with that, with that pain. Now, I didn't know I was really experiencing the pain at the time. I thought I was just doing what you do when you don't know what else to do. And then because I couldn't talk to anyone, I actually had a balloon that I had put a face on and I called this balloon Lulu. And Lulu and I, we chatted about all of what we saw uh, in terms of the family. So all of this trauma, you know, uh, that she talks about um, and the survival behaviors, I'm just sharing, you know, like some of the adaptive survival behaviors that I had and I was not even eight years old. So you can imagine the 300 years of trauma where she talks about being stolen and beaten yeah. and stolen, raped and killed, you know, that, you know, that just sits in our spirit. It sits in our DNA, it sits in our muscles and it sits in our, you know, our very being. Um, so I don't, I don't want to go on and on, but I hope that really, you know, um, conveys, you know, how we have this survival uh, behavior uh, and we uh, activate it as very young children. And yeah. we, don't, we, don't, we don't put, we, we can't always understand, you know, what we're doing. We just know that it needs to be done. Thank you for, for recalling that that very um, vulnerable um, experience. I had an experience w when she related around Timmy uh, and this black mother and white mother having this conversation. It uh, reminded me of a, a of a situation that occurred with you and I, and I just I I, I want to put this inside of the frame of adaptive survival behaviors that she talks about. Uh, and I, it, it illustrated, it immediately came up for me, this memory came up for me, is that I was um, going to preschool 
and uh, I had a curly head white friend uh, at that school and the local newspaper came and took a, a picture of him and I laughing together at a clown show or whatever, what have you. And I remember coming home and telling you, hey mom, I have this you know little white boy friend <laughs> that I really like. And I remember you saying, Hasir, you're gonna have to be careful. You're gonna have to be very careful with that, right? And I was, you know, what do you mean, you know, I, I, you know, I was young, of course, you know, five, six, and you know, you were already trying to warn me, just like that mother was trying to protect her son. Uh, whereas the, me as a child, I felt like you were stopping a friendship that I really enjoyed and that, you know, I had fun with this guy. We laughed a lot and blah, 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 blah. But there was a deeper historical social context that at five, six, seven, I wasn't aware of that you were trying to make me aware of through your warning of be careful and that, you know, you're going to have to be mindful of, of, of going over to his house or, you know, things of that nature. And, and, and you know, you, you tried to give it to me as soft as possible with that while at the same time letting me know that this was a situation that I had to be careful from. And that's the um, memory that popped up for me uh, when she talked about mothers protecting their sons uh, and, and it being an adaptive survival behavior. Um, do you, I, 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 that may be so long ago that you may not recall, <laughs> but what are your thoughts about that, that, that memory and that as a adaptive survival behavior? Yes, I think as black mothers, uh, we're always looking at ways to protect our children. And as children, you don't see what a parent sees. You know, we as black people, believe it or not, we've always had this need to protect each other. And if I can go back to the slave ships, uh, when we were stacked on those slave ships, one of the reasons we are a victim of high blood pressure is that we would hold our urine as long as we possibly could. So we were not urinating on wow. each other. Okay, so what happens is when you hold your urine in, you're holding the salt in, the salt then rises, you know, raises the blood pressure. And so we arrived on these uh, lands here uh, with a propensity toward having high blood pressure because of that adaptive behavior, that protective behavior that we had on the slave ships. So although I don't specifically remember that incident, here, I do remember uh, the policemen coming around uh, to the school and they would sit in the car and the students would run up to the car and uh, talk to the policeman and so forth. And I remember you telling me one day that the policeman had come and you had run out to the car and you were talking to them. And I remember distinctly saying, <laughs> stop that. The police is not your friend. <laughs> so that I do remember. And again, it's, it's a natural um, mother's need to protect her children from things that they know they are yet to understand. 
you have actually preempted the next piece that I wanted to talk about. And, and that, that, that whole slave ship piece just blew my mind right there. That was just a mind blown uh, moment right there. So um, thank you for sharing that. That's, that. that's really, really deep and I hadn't even thought of that and the type of st bodily uh, uh, stress that, 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 that occurred um, in, in, that, in that sense that would have been um, passed passed on but then um dr D dr joy talks about how being black in america impacts your stress level and therefore your body's ability to operate its own immune system and i'm thinking now as we're sitting in the middle of a pandemic um our numbers are um uh, out of whack in, in regards to comparison to, to other groups of people um, percentage wise uh, being that you were a nurse for for 30 plus years what are your thoughts around her statement around the impact of stress level and thus the impact on our ability to operate our own immune system well, uh, when you understand the immune system, you know that they're like soldiers, that when they feel a threat, you know, they come to the forefront. But if you're under stress, you've got wounded soldiers and they cannot appropriately defend, you know, the, the system. So I often wonder if some diagnosis that we see in our people, uh, even in terms of heart disease uh, that show up in many uh, uh, of us it is like symbolic of a heavy heart. You know, I, I wonder if it's a wounded heart. I now wonder if illnesses like, you know, uh, the flu and uh, the pandemic, uh, the viruses that we're seeing is our way of trying to cope with these invasions and it, they, they really are. I mean, we're trying to cope with something that's unfamiliar to us. And we just don't have the soldiers because the soldiers are not equipped. They've not been trained. They don't know where the battlefield is. They don't know what the lieutenants and the sergeants and all of them are really about. Uh, there's a lot of doubt and a lot of question. Uh, and there are a lot of questions. If we got any sense at all, we know the virus is real. Yeah. We just don't know what political pieces there are, and we know there are, mm -hmm. you know, we'd be foolish not to think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of financial gain and power gain from seeing something uh, like this. But uh, going back to yeah. the, immune, the immune system, Hasira, it really does speak to how important the work that you're doing is. It really speaks to how important the work that your crew is doing, your posse, your tribe mm -hmm. is doing because we've got to get our immune system boosted. And it really starts with the spirit. It starts with how we think and how we process and how we, you know, and whether we are receptive, you know, to uh, addressing these issues that are plaguing us em emotionally. Um, uh, when we even look at the rates of suicide and murder, what is that about? You know, except, you know, a lot of self-hate going on. And so the immune system 
we always think of it in terms of a bodily function, a physiological function, but it is a spiritual, mental, emotional, you know, function that has to be addressed. Ooh, Man, I done caught you on the right day at the right time, uh, Mama Ja. And uh, I, I want to just put this last this last point to you uh, that that I that she, she was making, uh, and just get your thoughts on on this last point, which is what I loved about her her conversation. She contextualized, um, you know, our trauma in a Sankofa um, framework, right? Going back uh, to, to see, you know what has occurred and how what how we've carried it forward and what we need to do and she says the first order of business is to begin to have a conversation um like that's not even like the things that you're talking about are not things that are readily talked about or easily talked about or talked about at all in our communities and then she says second of all is to educate the larger society about it because we have to stop the assault. Um, and then this is this is what I was actually surprised to hear her say, this is not purely a clinical thing. This requires social justice and change. That's where part of the healing is for us, is in the social justice aspect of it, as well as having a conversation about it. And I just thought that was a very poignant, salient, uh, uh, observation and suggestion and remedy that she was offering for us what are your thoughts about her offering that as a perspective and a, and a solution and remedy i think it was very much on point you know um i would like to consider myself a race woman you know where you just always know that social justice is the way it is the route and what we have to strategically do is marry, you know, social justice uh, with the healing process. And I think, you know, the program, uh, the sessions that, you know, you have, you know, really do address that because we're multidimensional beings. So we just can't, you know, have dialogues around, you know, uh, how we're gonna fix things because first we have to fix ourselves and then, uh, then we can talk about reaching out and healing others. So I, I think you know that is very much on point. And uh, I look forward to the sessions that are yet to come uh, to heal a people because if you don't heal uh, a people, if you don't heal yourself, uh, if you don't dig down in there and look at all that garbage, you know, we had a conversation yesterday, I'm 80 years old and I brought up something that, um, uh, I experienced at, at what, how old I, I was eight years old, nine, 10 years old. But I was sharing with you also that I don't visualize the incident or the incidents anymore. But what I do is I drag, you know, the result, you know, uh, the impact of those incidents and we teased uh, through that yesterday and i tell you yeah yeah it i felt so much lighter i was like my ox feather floating around so i know the value of coming together and being open and being vulnerable being honest and letting those tears flow because it's a it's symbolic of a cleansing 
and I felt cleansed yesterday. And that's what we want to see for everyone. And we can't sit on the proud stool. You know, uh, we got to get off that stool and say, yes, I'm vulnerable. Yes, I've had these experiences. And yes, I want to heal. And let's get, you know, let's get it cracking. Mm. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Mama Ja. Yes, you're welcome. So there you have it. That was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm not just saying that because, you know, it was my mom. But it was dope. It was dope. And so now we're at the part of the the podcast where we talk about the remedy. And the remedy is just a summation of what it is that we've heard today and what is the solution. Okay, so this is a five-part remedy. And I want to state it very succinctly. The first part is to understand that trauma lives in your body, that your issues are in your tissues and not just your issues are you dealing with. You're dealing with your your parents issues, your grandparents issues and your ancestral issues. So understanding that first, that your issues are in your tissues. Secondly, to understand that by being black and indigenous in the United States, impacts your stress levels and therefore impacts your body's ability to operate its own immune system that's crucial that's number two to have that understanding number three is that we have to understand that it is imperative that we have a conversation that when we have the opportunity to talk about this that we have an opportunity to write about this sing act whatever rap whatever you do We have to be talking about this and the impact and encouraging therapy and healing around our trauma. Fourth is to educate the larger society. So not just ourselves, but the larger society. And that runs into the fifth point. How do we educate the larger society? We do that through social justice action and change. Get involved with raising the voice, raising the issue around black, indigenous, working poor, mental health issues, making sure that we have the resources that are necessary in order to strengthen ourselves, in order to heal ourselves. So thank you for tuning in. This is H Soul Guru. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Make sure you go out and get Dr. Joy's book, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Dr. Joy is an author, academic, and public speaker who previously served as assistant professor at the Portland State University School of Social Work. She is current president and CEO of Degree Publications, Inc. Check her out. We look forward to hosting you in our next podcast, To Heal a People. H. Soul, and I'm out. To heal, to heal a piece.